everybody. Welcome back to the Be There in 5 podcast. I'm Kate Kennedy, your host. This week, I was feeling like it had been a while since we had really dove into the latest on Bravo, of which you know I'm a huge fan. And I kind of, I don't know, separated a bit from watching as much. If you listened to last week's episode, you know it was my manifesto in defense of television. But it's kind of funny because post-COVID, I think I started to resent TV because that's like all we could do. But in this motherhood phase, I'm really understanding the value of the company it provides you, the stimulation it provides you. In a time in your life when if you had a, a newborn, you know it's both like busy and boring, as they say. And um, it's, yeah, made me get back into Housewives, into, I mean, I didn't even watch last season of Beverly Hills, really. So I got caught up on Beverly Hills and Salt Lake and uh, Southern Charm and all the things. And I just wanted to talk to a subject matter expert about it. And I wanted to find somebody who was boots on the ground at BravoCon. So I enlisted um, Ryan Bailey from the podcast, So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey. He does recaps. He churns out like several episodes a week. He's been doing this for a while. I was on his podcast back when it first started. And he's a really nice guy. and He's really fun to talk to. And I wanted to hear, yeah, the latest and greatest in the Bravo universe. And I kind of, for the first time, I was having a bit of FOMO about BravoCon. I kind of wished I was there. And I feel like, for me, one of the most unconventional things to my personality would be me telling you I want to attend a convention. Conventions to me are kind of like casseroles, like too much going on. Not, don't need it. Just a lot going on in one place. And sometimes it's a hodgepodge that can create a, a spirit of something much greater than its parts that just really works. And sometimes it can create utter chaos where you ask yourself, was this just thrown together? And it does seem like Bravo got it down this year. I think Vegas is the right city that knows how to do conventions. It, it's like a weird thing where it seemed to go more smoothly. And the, the outfits and the fanfare and the stardom, like it, a lot of this stuff looked really fun, but I thought the panel seemed kind of bland. And I, that's what I think is funny about Bravo is like them only letting people go on podcasts, even mine, which like I'm not known to be super inflammatory. Uh, it, it Like they have a anytime I've interviewed somebody, I think both Heather Gay, Garcelle, have I had anybody else? I act like I do this all the time. I don't. I have had somebody else from Bravo and I'm blanking. But really, any time from a TV show, like they typically have a PR person on like making sure you don't say certain stuff. And it's just funny because I'm like, well, sometimes those moments, the outrageous, mo like, I think that's what people are there for. But anyway, don't need to get off on that tangent. But I wanted to hear more about BravoCon, talk about the latest on the different shows. And yeah, I thought this was a very fun conversation. All right, you guys. Enjoy the episode. I think my unconventional take about a convention is because I'm looking for an experience out of the ordinary these days because my days are pretty repetitive. But the best place to find out of the ordinary gifts this holiday season is, of course, Uncommon Goods. It's officially time to kickstart your holiday shopping, and Uncommon Goods is here to make it stress-free by scouring the globe for the most remarkable and truly unique gifts for everyone on your list. Whether you're shopping for mom, dad, teenagers, in-laws, or your best friends, Uncommon Goods knows exactly what they want. Uncommon Goods looks for products that are high quality, unique, and often handmade and made in the U.S. They really do have very meaningful out-of-the-ordinary gifts from art and jewelry to kitchen, home, and bar. And one of my friends who runs, uh, Caroline, who is like a professional shopper, does a lot of like gift guides and gift recommending, told me that one of her best-selling holiday things all time is this product they have called uh, Pistachio Pedestal. And as I click on it now, it says, better hurry. This bad boy has 
over a thousand five-star reviews. It's a solid wood pistachio server designed to offer an elegant solution for storing discarded shelves. And, and like, yeah, I, d- I would like an elegant solution for storing discarded shelves. Thank you, Uncommon Goods. It's a, it's a gorgeous product and apparently a big hit for men. I don't love to watch many pistachios, but I would love to watch them store their discarded shells in a responsible way. And for that, I'm grateful. It also has really great customizable gifts, whether you get customizable barware or something having to do with your favorite like sports team or Zodiac. Last year, I got my parents. We, we, we love, you know, a Trader Joe's boxed wine in my house. And I got them this like wine barrel tap thing that you can put a wine bag in to make it look classy at your functions that uh, wine's coming out of. Actually, if you watch the Kelsey documentary, they have a cu- like this custom song wall art made from like wood. And that is on Uncommon Goods. I wonder if that's where they got it. And it's customizable to your favorite song. They have so much fun stuff. It's just enjoyable to even browse. But make sure you look now because, yeah, their stuff can be small batch and runs out quickly. And with every purchase you make at Uncommon Goods, they give back $1 to a nonprofit partner of your choice. They've donated more than $2.5 million to date. To get 15% off your next gift, go to uncommongoods.com slash be there in five. That's uncommongoods.com slash be there in five for 15% off. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Uncommon goods. We're all out of the ordinary. This episode is brought to you by Helix Sleep. You guys know I love Helix. As I record this, it is Veterans Day. And did you know Helix supports military, first responders, teachers, and students by giving them a special discount on site? We love that about Helix. The Helix lineup offers 20 unique mattresses, including the award-winning Lux Collection, the newly released Helix Elite Collection, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and even a mattress made just for kids. That, by the way, was awarded Best Mattress by Parents Magazine. It's designed for kids 3 to 12 years old. Just a heads up, Teddy can't wait. And the way you know which Helix mattress works best for you is through the Helix Sleep Quiz, and you'll find your perfect mattress in under two minutes. They know everybody is unique and sleeps differently. That's why they have several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and preferences, models with memory foam to provide optimal pressure release for sleeping on your side, or models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleepers. Back in the day when I first took the Helix Sleep Quiz, I was matched with the Helix Dusk Lux, which was a blend of me and my partner's preferences, which is nice. They ask you about that in the quiz too. Um, The hottest bed in my house in terms of guests coming is the Sunset because it's super soft and like the perfect guest mattress. And as time goes on, and I've had these mattresses for years, I can speak to their quality. This isn't your average mattress you might order online and be nervous about because you haven't slept on it. A, because Helix comes with a 10 or 15 year warranty, depending on the model, but also they know that there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it. So they offer a 100 night trial and they really will come pick it up if you don't like it, but I can almost guarantee you will. So yeah, if you're in the market for a mattress, check it out. By supporting Helix, you're allowing them to support me and my show and I am forever grateful. If you don't want to take my word for it, Helix Sleep is over 12,000 five star reviews and that might help you make up your mind. And Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash be there in five. This is their best offer yet and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. helixsleep.com slash be there in five. Hey! Oh my gosh, Ryan, your name. Ryan just entered the chat with, as Ryan, my parents bought me a golf cart Bailey, and I'm so grateful because I do need to talk about the golf cart. <laughs> <laughs> it really stood out to me. It was, it was wild. 
Um, I need to introduce you properly, you guys. I'm so excited to welcome Ryan Bailey from So Bad It's Good, which is a daily podcast presented by Betches, and Ryan dissects the best and worst entertainment has to offer, welcoming special guests to chat about all the latest headlines, big TV moments, and literally every scandal feud or Hollywood controversy that's made us lose our shit. And I love that you say literally because you are a goddamn machine. With You have like three <laughs> episodes a week, and you are the best. Ryan, welcome to Be There in Five. Oh my God, I am so thrilled and honored to be here. Uh, Kate is somebody that I'm always scared to ask to come on my show. So the fact that I finally get to do this and you get to come on my show in January because of your uh, insanely awesome book that I can't wait to read, I'm over the moon to be here. Oh my gosh, you're the best. Also, why are you scared to ask me? I could shoot the shit with you all day. I will tell you, Kate, Kate, you guys, is one of those people that I looked up to from the very beginning, and she is not, like, intimidating when you talk to her, but when you listen to her, when you, there's just a level of conversation in terms of pop culture and the way your mind works that I'm like, I, I, I don't know if I can bring anything to that. I don't know if I, like, it was one of those, you were one of the first people in podcasting that I was like, I don't know if I could ever get to this level of communication. <laughs> And so I even, I remember asking you about a year and a half ago and you said, yeah. And then I, then I wussed out and I was like, okay, good. That's, I got the yes. I'm weird that way. I'm a complete weirdo. (laughs) But I, I don't know if you do what I do where I'm like feeling ballsy, whether I've like had wine or it's late at night and I'll like (laughs) DM people and ask them to come on my podcast and then I'll back (laughs) off, back out. (laughs) Totally. I totally do that. Or I'll be like, I'll ask somebody and they'll never open it. And I'll be like, that's right. You shouldn't open it. Yeah. Like, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I think I did that two nights ago to Bryn. I was like, hey, girly. Oh, my God. Really? Because I, 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 I was trying to go in with my angle of being like, we don't talk enough about your amazing marketing career. Because I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> like maybe she would come on to talk. Because I'm like, we need to deep dive this lucrative marketing career where she's like a free agent in a business. I, I don't know. It's confusing. Well, you guys, she supposedly, she was bragging about working on the BP oil spill PR campaign. And I was like, <laughs> that's not a, something to brag about. Like, I helped convince the public that it was okay to spill oil in the ocean. That's how good I am. That was one of my questions. I'm like, oh, are you crisis PR? Because like, I don't know, news alert, Bryn, like we're on the side of the ducks. Like we don't want the oil spills. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I know. If she worked on behalf of the ducks, I would be like amazing. (laughs) But the other thing about Bryn from Roni is so interesting is that I love Bryn, but I will say that it was very confusing in terms of her work because at one point she said, listen, I get paid to work eight to 10 hours a week and I do amazing. And then at the reunion, she said, I have a nine to five. And I'm like, which is it? Do you do a nine to five or do you do eight to 10 hours a week? I am still so confused and I'm not like, I really like her. I'm just confused about what she does specifically. And I think it was almost a narrative transfer because she realized that people weren't endeared to the I work eight to 10 hours a week. And like, it's not really cute anymore to be like, I do the least and make the most. Oh, so she PR'd her own campaign. I feel she was like, like she did. That didn't work. We need to shift the. No, I mean. And I think Bravo fans especially get a little scared when we don't fully understand their job because we're coming from like a Jen Shaw, Erica Jane and her husband background. So I think our our like alerts go up now because I will always remember Jen Shaw at the first Salt Lake City reunion where Andy was like, what do you do? And it went on for two minutes, I think. And I remember thinking, I have no idea what that is, but it sounds okay. And then she went to jail. (laughs) 
Right. No, it's so true. And I actually felt a bit of deja vu this week with Salt Lake, where Whitney Rose was making very salient points about how Lisa was talking about, you know, Monica's mom being abusive. And it reminded me of when Whitney Rose all of a sudden was explaining how lead generation works in a telemarketing sense. And and I was like, oh, wow. Thank you, Whitney Rose. You just really explained what Jen Shaw does. What you don't understand is you get on the bottom of the floor and it's like a pyramid and it goes up and up and up. It is it is wild when the housewives get into any form of business. And like Whitney now has a couple of businesses, one which we saw in this week's episode. But it is interesting when any housewife gets some kind of new product to talk about on the show. And that seems to be like a major storyline each season for each housewife. I know. And I wonder if they run the risk of producers not featuring it heavily enough you know because definitely no like my awareness level of prism jewelry or whatever it is like i mean just i I don't know where else i would get that awareness unless i was watching the show and i imagine some people create things that don't get the storyline because there's no meat there like she's lucky they got in that fight there because like i don't think any of us went out and bought jules weinstein's elixirs because i don't really think it got the plot line don't don't speak for me kate (laughs) did you buy a jules weinstein elixir Look at me. I look beautiful. I'm, I'm healthy. I'm happy. Like it was no. Do you ever think about who watches those shows and then goes and then like gets a pad of paper and go elixir. I got to write this down. That looks amazing. Like oh, who does I that? I think people do it for stuff that's like that that's memorable or there's a reason to like I think every I think, you know, maybe we missed the something about her sandwich window, unfortunately, but I think we were all really dying for a sandwich. I was really interested in, you know, even Beverly Beach. But like, I don't know why I'm not interested in Prism. I'm not really interested in Whitney Rose. I don't, or no, what was it? True Rose, R- Rose, Wild it Rose, was Wild Rose, Wild Rose Beauty. Yeah. Does that still exist? Yeah, it still does. Yeah. But yeah. then it's like Lala Kent's out here paying for a Palm Springs down payment with send it, send it to Daryl Sweatshirts. Well, see, I think it's different. There's a difference when it's a product that is not based around like a, a line or a storyline on the show. So when it's a storyline on the show, we all want a little piece of that, which is like fandom in general. Like I'm a huge collector of any, like I went to BravoCon and one of my proudest possessions now is Sheena Shea's vinyl of Good as Gold. Like I had asked Sheena to do this for years and finally she did it. And I mean, I'll take $50 for this vinyl. Most expensive. I mean, I haven't paid that much song. for Taylor Swift. Yeah, it's one song. One song, you guys. <laughs> It's a great song. It's, I mean, amazing, but like, it was one of my proudest possessions now. So when it revolves around the show, I think I'm more apt to buy it because I come from a fandom background. Yeah. But when it comes to like beauty, like, you know, Meredith Marks has a jewelry store. Um, everybody has these products. And I don't know if I've ever, I mean, I guess in the day I tried Skinny Girl back in the day and I tried Lisa Vanderpump Rosé, but it was not one of those things where I was like, I got to put this in the rotation, you know? Yeah. That is true. I mean, I agree. I agree. I love a pop culture artifact. I don't know if you like me are into pop culture tourism, but I, of course, made the pilgrimage to Meredith Marks Park City store. Have you been there? No, I mean, but first off, of course, I'm into pop culture tourism. Are you kidding me? That's what I my whole life is based around. I will go to Utah and I will do the the whole scene eventually. But I haven't made that trek out because Salt Lake uh, you know, it like premiered during the pandemic pandemic and I didn't really travel a lot. And now that it's over, everything's been so busy, but it is funny. It's one of those places that I wouldn't even hesitate to go to. Cause I want to see Mary's church. Yeah. I want to go to Mary's church. I mean, I don't want to go to a service, but I want to see it. Uh, I want to get my, I mean, cause Whitney's always, they're always talking about the mean streets of Salt Lake of like, <laughs> you know, but Ma- 
what was uh, Angie K's husband is always on the mean streets of Utah where the rumors spread. Like, I want to go to the streets and feel the energy. I think you'll be f- surprised to find it's really just a bunch of people in line at a drive-thru for a swig to get a Dirty Diet Coke. And I love it's, it's It is a beautiful, beautiful town. But we even went to Valter's, you know, crime scene, yes. scene of the crime. And it was just Rest kind of... peace, Valter. Oh, he died. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I feel it, it's like almost this the most strikingly beautiful place that like maybe I've been in the United States. I, it's gorgeous. But I will say it was kind of like, yeah, it was like pretty suburban. It's like what you'd expect, I guess, like Beauty Lab and Lasers in a strip mall. It's kind of important to see, but also you've seen it before. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, once you're there, I mean, does it feel a little ridiculous once you're in the parking lot? You're like, I'm actually in a parking lot looking at Beauty Lab and Laser. Right. It's like just such a different backdrop than in New York or a Rodeo Drive type scenery. But, I mean, Salt Lake is my current favorite franchise. I guess we should just get into, well, I want to get into BravoCon and last night's Salt Lake. Okay, so you just got back from BravoCon. Yeah. I think Mm -hmm. three nights is one too many in Vegas. Were you there for three nights? I was there for five nights. I was there Dang. for five nights, and it was way too much. Uh, I was so <laughs> like I, I was telling my audience, I've been to like thirteen Coachellas, I've been to a bunch of Comic Cons, and BravoCon. I think it's also just I'm getting older is is just as bad as I mean, just as bad in terms of getting through it and like the taxing nature it does on your body and your mind and your spirit. <laughs> Having said all of that, it's a great experience. It's just a lot. It's a marathon to get through this thing, but. I always point out, it's great to go to those things because at the end of the day, you see how much joy it brings other people, and you're walking around with a bunch of happy people, and there's only so many instances in life, whether it be like a Taylor Swift concert or that, you know, that you're going to see people that happy, and I think that is worth investing in. I love that. Um, There's nothing more liberating than being in spaces, like safe spaces where people like and celebrate the same things you don't have to apologize for. And even though Bravo has a massive fandom, it still isn't a thing that like you can go everywhere and talk about with people like and they just speak your language. And it's really fun to be in a room with diehards of anything. Oh, completely. I mean, you could yell out Sprinter Van and everybody would be like, Heather Gay pissed herself. Like, I mean, it was these kind of things that you could look across the room and you could immediately see somebody's T-shirt and, like, laugh at it or, you know, see all – I mean, it was just that thing. Yeah, we all speak the same language there, and it's great because I think we talk about these shows in hushed circles sometimes or we get made to feel bad about anything that we truly love. And that's, like – I try to be the antithesis of that, of, like, lean into what you love. And at this point, shows like yours shows like mine you know we have now this currency of speaking about pop culture and it has a history so we really can study these things and so anytime anybody like i'm able to read something that can delve deeper into this pop culture or how things are created that is just as um interesting as learning how a building was made a hundred years ago or to you know like it's it's history we have a history with pop culture and these things get to celebrate it you know Absolutely. I mean, I, I think it was even interesting watching Scandal go down in uh, earlier this year because it was like on the CNN ticker. I mean, it's like, wow, we've really penetrated the mainstream here. <laughs> Well, Tom Sandoval will continue to complain about that for the rest of his life. He's like, it made CNN, dude. I was watching <laughs> CNN and like, I, I shouldn't be news, dude. The fact that I think it deserved to hit headline news, but the fact that Tom railed against it like something was wrong with America, that it made headline news is funny. It's like, dude, this is what happens when you when we perceive a character to be one way. 
And it's so shocking, and they're able to capture it like they did on those Scandal episodes. To me, that should be news. I know that's crazy, but there is entertainment news, and that was like at the forefront of it for a long time. Well, Andy, like maybe did it occur to you that the thing you did was so shitty, that's why it was newsworthy? <laughs> it hasn't occurred. I can, I can tell you it hasn't occurred to him. He still, you could sense at BravoCon, he was like so pouty the whole weekend. Like I had to sit like a row behind him at the Bravo Awards, and he was just like, <laughs> he was just like leaning in his chair and he wearing got a denim the kilt. Panel. Oh God. He's trying to, I never thought somebody would try to fashion themselves after Adam Levine and like with like a, with like a serious face. Like he's, he had like fake neck, neck tattoos. He had the nails done. You know, he always comes with a different look. I just think he's in his villain era and I don't know if mm. he necessarily knows how to fully do that. And I think he's still livid that he has to be a villain. I, I've never been so wrong about somebody. Like, I've always been a bit of a Tom yep. Sandoval apologist. And I all thought, compa- I mean, so compared to Jax, compared to James Kennedy, he seemed like a dude with a semblance of a moral compass. I remember the the, the freaking pilot of Vanderpump Rules. He said something that was, like, sweet in a reality show pilot about bartenders. Like, when it comes to family, I'm a rich man. Like, he just always endeared me. I was so, so wrong. And I should have known ever since the bulldozers. Oh, yeah. The bulldozer moment is one of the most amazing moments. I mean, it really was one of the best comedic moments, too. And that's why these shows work, because it is so funny and tragic at the same time. But you're right. I was one of those people, if you listen to my show, defended him entirely. Like, I love that dude. I I really considered him a friend. Like, I I hung out with him in real life. And it was wild, because I would have defended that guy until... Like, I, because I, I had heard these rumors before, not about Rachel, but I had heard th- them before. I went over to his place. He did a three-hour podcast with me once. And really? I thought, like, listen, here's somebody that's, like, doing, like, he's trying to do his own weird thing, his little cover band. I do a weird thing. I'm a dude that hosts a podcast. And so I really admired him because he was, like you said, the anti-Jax. He wasn't out there looking for hookups. He wasn't out there trying to get uh, sleep with as many women as possible. And I just thought, like, I saw that relationship, and it was – it. Like, everybody says it was fake. It was not fake. Like, I went to Coachella with those guys. I Mm. remember there was, like, the Rachel Coachella from, like, two years ago. They were, like, I was with Ariana Tum. They were, like, kissing at, like, an EDM show. And I was, like, oh, my God. That is so sweet. I want that one day. It was so nice. So I really, I mean, that's when I realized, like, how stupid I am. Because I was, like, oh, my God. I fell in love with this guy. And I feel, I feel insanely disappointed. I know. Well, I'm sure I, you interview a lot of the subjects you talk about, right? I find that my problem is, is that nine times out of 10, I really like them. And I think they're really nice people. And you want to give people the benefit of the doubt, especially when people are willing to give you a shot and are nice to your face. And like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just, yeah, I've never formally apologized on this podcast for, you know, being a Tom Sandoval apologist. But truly, I, I fell for it. He masks well. And there were two moments when we should have known it, the bulldozer and also like not wanting to give Kristen the the cable box because he still had stuff on the DVR. I'm like, those were such good moments and we should have read into them more for than just comedy. Like Like, they were petty. And (laughs) all my episodes of Entourage are on that DVR. I can't give it back, dude. Um, No, it is weird talking to these people because, you know, especially when they come on the show, you're trying to like, you know, it's nice enough that they're there, and especially when you're on, you know, like trying to work your way up. But Tom Sandoval is the only one that I haven't been able to 
kind of forgive since. Like, I actively hid from Tom Sandoval this weekend. Like, I was around him a couple of times. Like, there was one point, like, I almost ran and hid in the corner of the room because I didn't want to have that conversation with him yet. Where, like, I blocked him on my phone. I blocked him on – and everybody oh, really? was like, oh, oh, yeah, like, we've got to move on. We've got to move on. Yeah, we got to move on, but at the same time, when he's still saying idiotic things in the press and he's still trying to play a martyr for his own actions, that's where I kind of like go, this isn't great. Like, you still don't seem to get it, and you're not really taking a break, so I really worry about his mental health. But the same is, we can't argue that he's not making the same amount of money as the rest of those guys, minus Ariana at this point. He's just having to do it as a villain and not a hero like we used to look at him like. Right, but his booth still looked crowded. It still seemed like he was selling merch, taking names. Okay, that's not true. Um, I was at that. I was around that booth. It was, I got pictures of that booth empty as the day is long. <laughs> it's just, you saw a line when he came out. Like, oh. he came out, and so people were in line to, like, get pictures with him. The shirts there cost anywhere from $60 to $100. And it, you know, <laughs> I, did, I just, he was a very empty booth every time I passed it on the weekend. Well, it's no bang for your buck, like a singular song on a good as gold vinyl. <laughs> well, listen, he has a single. He could have pressed a vinyl. I guess he is not confident in his music. I feel like um, uh, Sheena should have at least put like a bonus track. Do you remember that? I don't even know if it ever came out. Lala and James, ain't nobody that I'm feeling like I'm feeling you. Like I'm feeling you. All right. Yeah, I totally It's like, you know, when there's TikToks about like what to things have the same energy that are completely different that had the same energy as david from real world new orleans oh yes come on be my baby, baby tonight. tonight i've seen the way you treated other thugs you've been with come on be my baby right it's i like remember watching that live it was saved. so exciting and i never forgot it it's like when somebody just starts to mumble sing like we should be taking them seriously out of context <laughs> it's memorable to me <laughs> Those that I the, for, I the first episode of So Bad It's Good, I featured that song because that to me was a So Bad It's Good moment. Was that like it was something that at, in the moment was kind of like what, and then I couldn't get it out of my head. Good as gold is like a similar thing where yes. at the end of the day it's still a bop, but it's just funny in what it represents. It's a, good as gold and the Uber Eats <laughs> Uber One remix, yeah, the Uber One Weird Al Savings. remix of it, <laughs> yeah. So, so good. Okay, so BravoCon, one interesting thing that came out of the weekend is that, like, I don't know what stylists colluded to bring this trend to the forefront, but people weren't wearing pants. Yeah, people were in their undies a lot, uh, the women <laughs> mainly. Uh, it was Paige DeSorbo, Aaron from Roni, and I'm trying to think of Malia, the other one. Malia, below who did deck. It. Yeah, I, listen, I shop at Old Navy mainly, so I don't know the proper fashions, but something looked weird, but I guess that, uh, that that's a fashion now, that's a trend? I can't, it's like, uh, I thought Erin looked so fierce, and Paige never misses, but something about hers was styled weirdly, where it looked more like a brief, and it was, it needed a higher waist or something, not like I'm wanting to comment on Paige yeah, DeSorbo's yeah, fashions, like... I sit here at an Amazon zip-up, um, <laughs> But yeah, I thought it was fun to see the fashion. The below deck characters in general kind of missed a bit, but you know, God bless them. I feel like they're not as um, on the, I feel like they're not as involved in like the, the pop culture world as the housewives and like pump rules people. They're just, they're excited to be on dry land. So it's all new to them when they're here. But 
No, you're right, because I think Below Deck consistently gets some of the best ratings of any Bravo show, like hands down, but it is one of the least talked about shows in terms of fandom, like yeah. on, on Twitter and threads. And it's like, it is, I've noticed that over the years, but it never changes the ratings. Like, Below Deck is like a juggernaut. Usually all of the franchises they put on Bravo work. Below Deck almost is the ridiculousness of Bravo. It's always on. How, wait, first off, how dare you? I will actually watch Below Deck. If I watch Ridiculousness, I get upset at myself because I'm like, they've been doing this too long. They've destroyed MTV. How is this possible? But Below Deck, I actually can get into. It just took me a while. And it's, Below Deck is the perfect um, uh, gateway show for uh, straight men, like husbands and boyfriends. Uh, couldn't Usually agree more. If, yeah. yeah, if you try, because like, guys are like, oh my God, that's like a big piece of machinery. And then they get involved. Yeah, it's like, look, Joao's foot almost got chopped off or whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah. is that Joao? Whoa, hey, bro, I'm, I'm with my babe, and she showed this dude's foot almost got chopped off. What channel? Yeah. No, my, okay, so I actually like Below Deck, and I agree. It took me a while to get into it. My point of entry was first season of Med with Sandy, Aisha, uh, what's her name, Nastia? That... Yeah, I think so. A really well, bad chef. The one, like, microwave yeah, steak. Yeah, <laughs> I've tried. See, those, I will say some of the below deck seasons, I don't even bother to remember their names. Like Aisha, Captain Sandy, Malia, Joao, all those kind of people I know. But then there's like just years past where I could, I would not be able to tell you the second stew, the third stew. Like they're just people that I watch every week. Yeah, and and it, it is a funny phenomenon you speak of. It's all it is. I don't think people realize how successful below deck is, and yet. No, but people almost seem, I think a lot of people are frustrated it's on a lot, but I also don't think those people have given it a fair shot and that it is yeah. kind of the perfect drop in and drop out show where you don't really, it's kind of like a procedural. You don't need to watch the through line because they're different charters. Yes. Yeah. It, no, and I think that's like a really perfect winning formula. They always like, there's nice location. You have nice things to look at. There's usually some sexy time when the, you know, they all hook up with each other on their off night. You know, there's like kind of a bit of everything. So I, I don't get mad when Below Deck's on nonstop. I get mad when you go on Bravo and all of a sudden it's like Chris Lee knows best. And you're like, this I isn't know. even air on Bravo. What are you talking about? Yeah, she doesn't even go here. <laughs> or, or they'll do like a Harry Potter marathon. And I'm like, I'm watching. Bravo. Why am I watching Harry Potter on Bravo? <laughs> that's I know. That's such a good point. Their own stuff is so good. Their own archives are so strong. It's kind of shocking that they even bother. Well, do you ever think about that in terms of ridiculousness? Like the power MTV and VH1 could have if they combine just to do their catalog is so deep and there must be some rights issue because I would give anything to have a network of just all the true life docuseries of Made, of uh, Rock of Love, of Flavor of Love, of Celebrity Fit Club, of Super like, Sweet 16. Yes. I mean, I lived on those shows and i don't know why i mean even pimp my ride like wh why don't we have that non-stop 24 7 somewhere i even i've always thought that they should have even just like pilot for a week the exact same programming schedule that existed in like 1998 yes and like we watched trl at 3:30, like we used to you know i think people would go nuts I mean, I personally would love that, and I just don't know why 
those kind of stations never lean into nostalgia because we've shown that there is an audience, like a ravenous audience for nostalgia, yet they have one of the best catalogs known to man in terms of pop culture and TV, and they never lean into it. And I think MTV, they almost need to just, I don't know, wave their white flag in a sense and either they need to lean into their nostalgia or completely pivot because music videos are now accessible by other means. So they can't go back to their old formula. But when they do music video awards, I feel like, what are we even doing here? Like, what are we, what are we, what are, why are we here? Like, I've watched like a handful of music videos on YouTube maybe this year. Why am I, I'm always confused. Like, it was great to see the NSYNC reunion and Taylor partying. But other than that, I was like, it's like the last breaths of a dying breed of like, what are we, what are we doing here? We don't even, you, your station is like, call it something different. Don't call right. it MTV anymore. Spend all of your money paying Taylor Swift to do a making of the video and watch your audience return. I want to see a Taylor Swift diary. Remember that show, Diary? Oh my God, yes. I always think of I always think about the guy on the True Life who got plastic surgery for his calves. I remember that specifically. (laughs) I remember that specifically. And they only have like two seasons of True Life streaming on Paramount Plus. But I'm like, you had, they had so many seasons. They had so many good stories. Danielle Cabral actually was in one from Real Housewives of New Jersey. She was like, I'm a Staten Island girl. Really? Yeah. I mean, yeah, Rich Girls with Allie Hilfiger was really good. There, I have like so many fond memories. And the, um, I interviewed, you know, I only get the biggest stars. Um, Dieter from Laguna Beach last year. And <laughs> he does not make a dime. None of them make a dime from the well, Netflix yeah. deal. They're in the Saved by the Bell contract where they got paid like pretty much minimum wage. It became a huge hit. They don't share in any of that streaming residuals, any of that. guy, And that's wild. That's why it's like streaming still is the wild, wild west in terms of the pay structure because these corporations are making money hand over fist, including Bravo with Peacock, but that doesn't trickle down in any way to the performers. So how do you feel about the reality reckoning Bethany's trying to do? I feel like it's good in the sense that I'm always up for better working conditions, better pay. Uh, But I will say I think she's an unreliable narrator to lead this charge because She's one of those people. I, I was a huge Bethany Frankel fan, or I call her Bethany Frankel on the show. Um, I was a huge fan of hers, and I just feel like it's disingenuous because it's one of those people that you always sense, well, it's really more about her getting a spotlight other than her really helping other people. Because the Vanity Fair article, well-written piece, I you know, you know know got through it, but Andy Cohen even made the point of, like, you, you know, they used pretty much all Rony examples, and they completely rebooted Roni because of those issues. Mm-hmm. The, the, the article leaves out completely of like, yes, they course corrected. And those issues are real issues. But I just think, Bethany, um, there seems to be something that she wants this spotlight for herself and to be the head of this more than actually, like, I'm still waiting for the working plan. Like, okay, great. What's the yes, plan? Right. What are we doing Uh, We've got all the stuff. You interviewed Rachel. You're making money hand over fist off of Housewives now with your podcast. Um, So what are we doing? Where where do we go next? Because it just seems more like that her and Andy Cohen used to date and she's like a spurned lover at this point. And that's the vibe I get sometimes. And especially on TikTok, she seems unhinged. It's like I get what she's trying to do, but I agree that something feels disingenuous about her being the one to do it. Like she benefited so much from the show. There's like a Bethany clause right now. Like. Now she's she'll, almost. She'll remind you of that every episode. 
It's part of a job, too. At the end of the day, you're not going to get everything you want. We want you to be in a safe environment. The audience wants to know that you're safe so we can actually go on these insane adventures with these ladies. Right. I want to know that mentally they're taken care of. But at the same time, you signed up for this. And you signed up for this at this time with 18 years of Bravo history under their belts that they can go back and watch what these shows do and determine for themselves if it's okay or not. I think after the situation, then they're like, I never knew it was going to be like this. We have enough um, first-person accounts at this point yeah. that you do know it would be like this if you paid attention. I'm sorry yeah. if that sounds cold. It doesn't sound cold. I actually, I think I think there's a balance, and I think to your point, like safety should be the priority, and nobody like was pro uh, needless, ruthless exploitation, but they're really unique trade-offs that I think you have to be up for. And when people, it, that's why it annoys me when people are like, I never watched the show before. I'm like, well, that's just bad business. You should have done your due diligence before you signed up yeah. to have put your entire life in family on national television. <laughs> well, it's like people that just like signed up for Scientology. I'm like, I've never heard of it before. Right. I don't even know. Wait, what's going on here? Like, there is this thing called the internet now, and you can do... But I think that's what the interesting thing is, and I think behind the scenes is just as fascinating as the shows we watch, because at this point, it, it, it's all about that kind of desire for fame that we all have, our desire for our 15 minutes and wanting something better for ourselves than we had by a normal job. There's something so seductive about these things, you know, just about pop culture in general. And then once you get a taste of that... Even if it's a bad taste, it like you want to stay in that realm. Even though you say you never will, we now have multiple examples. People like Freddie Melon, Teddy Mellencamp, uh, Tamra. <laughs> sorry, I always call her Freddie. Uh, Tamra, who like you know is now back on OC, but she spent you know a couple seasons trying to get back on OC. These women, most of them, minus a few, um, do everything in their power to like campaign to get back on the shows, mm -hmm. and they get into this ecosystem, and it must be so intoxicating. At the same time, very troubling for their lives, but intoxicating. And that's the thing that I find that should be studied at some point, because most of these people are dying to come back. I I was kind of wondering about that at BravoCon. I don't know how to explain this. I feel a little uncomfortable sometimes at influencer events because it becomes like everyone kind of looking over your head to see like who's better there. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. as kind of a smaller creator and i feel like there probably was an interesting dynamic at BravoCon where a lot of those women are used to being like the center you know anywhere they go and there there's just then this hierarchy of people that are more or less interesting in terms of who the fans care about and that must be a weird experience oh i mean totally i was at this pre-party on thursday night and andy walked into the party andy cohen and I had never seen so many housewives swarm a man. Like, it was all yeah. just like, by like, look at me, look at me. And it was, it was really interesting. And you've really picked up on that. I'm not an empath by any sense, but you picked up on this vibe of so much ego in one room. Of so yeah. much like beauty and style and grace, but at the same time, this quiet desperation that, of course, I'm reading into. But you all see them vying for some sort of attention and some sort of sign that they're doing good. And I think, I mean, I can't imagine what it would ever be like to be Andy Cohen. And you must have a really interesting way, a really interesting personal disposition to be able to deal with that many personalities and still keep things sort of even. I mean, minus the reality reckoning. But it, it was wild to watch. The only thing I agreed with, or actually I didn't even read it in full, honestly, so I shouldn't speak about it, but with the reality reckoning, the only gist I agreed with was like, it is kind of sad to watch the housewives sometimes want to be Andy's favorite. 
and like try so hard. I remember feeling a little secondhand embarrassment watching the footage of his baby shower. Everyone wants to be the best, best housewife. And like, I just, yeah. But you were you there for the Jeff Lewis panel when he basically said like, you used to, you told me that her favorite, your favorite used to be Kyle. It was Kyle, yeah. I was there, I was there at the, and by the way, that was the party, the pre-party I went to was the Jeff Lewis pre-party and it was like insane. Like every housewife was there. I mean, it was just, I felt like, I, 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 yeah, I, I, it was a real out-of-body experience. But yeah, I was there at that panel, and Jeff is really great because he's such a smart ass, and he has that kind of thing down to a science, and he really loves to needle Andy, so their relationship is fun to watch because he's like, no, Andy, you told me backstage that it was Kyle, or you've told me before it was this, and Andy's like, stop it, Jeff. Um, but also remember- They didn't even Andy's- stream it, I don't think. No, I don't think they streamed those because it was a little more potential for disaster at, at times. And it was a little more, there was language. There was a lot of things in those yeah. Ask Andy panels. But um, I think, you know, Andy's favorites are always going to be probably the people that he started out with. And the people that like those, those first tastes of success. That's why he has a soft spot for Vicky Gunvalson. That's why I'm sure the Ramona Singer issue has mm. still stayed around to this day. Because I do think, you know... They were all in the trenches together getting Bravo off the ground in a way. I mean, not that yeah. like, these ladies were actively trying to get it off the ground, but these shows determined that Bravo changed from the network that it started as to the network that it became. Oh, totally. Like, I'm sure he's biased toward his actual friends. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It makes sense. <laughs> yes. I mean, you know, but think about when Bravo did, like, Inside the Actor's Studio. Like, that's where they started, like, Inside the Actor's Studio. And then it went to, like, Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. And then it was Blowout. But those things, it, like, rest in peace, James Lipton, the host of Inside the yeah. Actor's Studio. But it wasn't like James Lipton was, like, kissing Andy's ass. Like, it was just a different <laughs> whole thing. I actually think that for a person in his position for a host and semi-journalist Andy Cohen does not have the skill of a poker face and that's what makes it funny is you can tell when he's cringing when he's annoyed and when he likes somebody and I think that's part of the endless seeking of reassurances because when you can read somebody's energy you kind of become anxious and trying and trying to get a reaction out of them so you can tell when Andy likes people and who he really effing likes is Craig and Shep Oh, he loves, well, all the guys, really. Like, he even loves, there's like a, he was reading, somebody asked him a question of, like, who he texted with at BravoCon that day, and it was like, oh, John Mayer, Anderson Cooper, Kelly Ripa, and then it was like Tom Sandoval. And I was like, you know this Tom Sandoval, like, what's up, dude? What's going on, dude? (laughs) Like, you know Tom Sandoval probably over-texts Andy of, like, Oh, I'm really taking a hit for the network right now, dude. (laughs) Um, But I think he has this soft spot for attractive men. Andy Cohen grew up kind of like what looked like a gregarious, nerdy kid in St. Louis. And he became like over the years, a very attractive man that can, you know, like a very powerful, attractive man. Um, And I think there is that part of him that loves hanging out with really good looking guys that make him laugh that he can make fun of. That's such an interesting point. I never really put that together because I, I'm kind of like Shep is, I think Shep was like the worst, but um, he just seems to love him and prioritize them. Yeah. Were you at the award ceremony? This episode is brought to you by Evelyn and Bobby. Evelyn and Bobby was founded by a size 34G woman who was sick of the pain, discomfort, and posture issues that her underwire bras were causing her. After searching for a better bra and coming up empty, she knew she couldn't be the only woman who was struggling with the 91-year-old underwire technology and decided there had to be a better solution. Like last week's episode, Joey poking into the milk carton. There's got to be a better way. I love people that ask this question. And Evelyn and Bobby did, and that's how the proprietary EB Core technology 
and every single one of their wire-free bras was created. That is a 3D sling that was meticulously engineered to lift and support from below to be able to comfortably support up to a K-cup. And this is so incredibly important because as a person that just experienced, you know, child rearing and your breast size fluctuates a great deal, I was experiencing a lot of back pain and discomfort. I've had so many of you reach out and tell me that how life-changing this has been. And I mean that. I wouldn't lead you astray in this category. I think stuff with your breasts is incredibly personal. And it's just been a lifelong battle for me with like comfort and pain and wanting to minimize. And I don't know. I just, these bras are really good quality. The wide set straps minimize neck and back pain. And they are very seamless under clothing. Like the best part about them is you don't really know that they're there. Their newest bra is called the Starlet Plunge. It has adjustable straps and a back band for sizing flexibility. And everything you know and love about Evelyn and Bobby bras, with their patented sling that replaces underwire and wide setting straps and the quick drying moisture wicking fabric. But it's their lowest neckline and it has the thinnest straps ever. So it gives you a lot of versatility with fashion choices. The Starlet Plunge is a sleeker, sexier version of the Beyond bra that is a go-to for tank tops, deep V bodysuits, blouses, etc. And what's great about all of Evelyn and Bobby bras is there are seven easy sizes, extra small to 3XL. On the one hand, in the bra world, sizing with like a number and a cup letter, it seems like it would allow for a level of precision, but the fit is so different between brands. And I find the general sizing of bras to be confusing in a way that I don't know if all the numbers and letters even serve me. And I found that Evelyn and Bobby's seven easy sizes are just, I don't know, simplified things in a big way for me. And they can guide you through their sizing on the website. But that also is what makes Evelyn and Bobby eligible to be like a great gift, even if it might seem weird to give a bra to somebody. I just know my fellow chesty gals like wouldn't think it was weird if I was like, this is the most comfortable bra ever. Try it. Or you can try one of their tank tops or whatever. I think I hard sold you guys on my Instagram about their underwear that I was obsessed with postpartum that I'm still wearing because you can bundle them and get them really inexpensively. Anyway, huge fan of Evelyn and Bobby. I think the key thing I always want to remind you is that it molds to fit your unique shape in one to three wears. So give it a few wears before, you know, making a a judgment about how you feel about it. Because I I actually haven't heard from anybody that after three wears isn't isn't sold. But don't listen to me. There are over 10,000 five-star reviews. And Evelyn and Bobby is giving Be There and Five listeners an exclusive discount code to try Evelyn and Bobby bras risk-free for yourself. Use code Be There and Five on EvelynBobby.com for $15 off your first bra. That's EvelynBobby.com, spelled B-O-B-B-I-E, with code Be There and Five for $15 off your first bra. I was. I was like, that was like, I was sitting in a row behind Tom Sandoval and Schwartz. And I, that was when I was like hiding. I was like <laughs> ducking down in my chair because I didn't want to make eye contact with him. But yeah, it was, it was, by the way, that thing looked like better produced than the Oscars. Like it was like shocking when I walked into that thing because it was like so well done. And he came out with like Vegas showgirls and did a show number. It was wild. I love that he tried to like NPH Tony's it. <laughs> yeah, he did. Like Neil, Fe- <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he called Neil for advice. Like when Kim Kardashian went on SNL and she got advice from Amy Schumer and Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle. Yeah. Have you ever interviewed anyone in the Kardashian universe? No, I mean I hope to one day, um, but I don't know. I go. I, I have a love hate relationship with them, so it, I think they're they're so deserved to be studied, and I get crap for it every time I cover them. But I think they are necessary in terms of pop culture. And if you uh, want to yeah. talk about something fascinating to study, it's the Kardashians. Period. I don't know why people don't eat. Why people even get upset anymore? Like it's like one of the most fascinating things I've ever, like a phenomenon that we will never see happen again in terms of family. 
Totally agree. And I think that you try to watch other examples of family reality shows and you just realize, wow, the Kardashians have this X factor that like is so hard to replicate. And it's almost to the point where now we've proven that reality television and being famous for being famous are valid entry points into public figuredom and revenue generation. So like, let's just drop it that how they got famous and like just analyze their actual fame and the contribution that they have. But yeah, I feel like the Kardashian universe is like harder to penetrate in terms of getting people to like talk about them casually. Oh, at this point, like it is NDA central. It is like, you're not going to get pierced that until probably 40 years from now. And when Joyce Benelli's NDA runs out, (laughs) because she's who we need to be talking to. (laughs) I get the final, like the MJ eventually cracks. Um, No, I think, one of the, you know, one of the Kardashian kids I predict is going to, there's got to be one that is anti-money, anti-everything, and will spill. Like, there, and that's not going to happen for, like, probably 10 years. My prediction, it's going to be Mason, potentially, but mm. there's going to be somebody that lets us in on everything because they think the accumulation of wealth is ridiculous. And because we're not dealing with millions anymore, we're now dealing with billions. Mm. Like, that started off as Tummy T and Carl's Jr. ads, we are now... You know, we're now involved in financing and raising capital. It's it's completely people don't even really pay attention to as much what Kim does in the financial markets as they should, because that's mm. to me is the real story. Like they're they're never going to go away at this point never. in terms of wealth. See, I think Rain is perhaps more anti-establishment than Mason. Maybe oh, just because he's a younger he, child. But Rain's a bit of a mystery. He's like, Mo- I always call him Mowgli from Jungle Book. He's like one of those kids that like jumps out of like a stairwell. And he just does on often have longer attacks. hair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like the, did you see that ID Magazine interview Northwested, which like LOL that North is getting like high profile interviews at what, yeah. 10, 12 years old? Yeah. And she, she- I feel like we should draw a line at um, giving any of the Kardashian kids cover stories yet. I feel like that's such a dangerous road. Agreed. And it was like a kid interview of like, I also might invent a rocket ship. And I want right. to like, it was, that's it was just like it kind of funny. <laughs> It was like fantastical things that I would have said as a kid, except this person is extremely like the the North is already worth like tens of millions of dollars. And I'm not even joking. She already is worth that kind of money. But it's just interesting if you compare that even like what we were talking about earlier with Salt Lake with Whitney's daughter, Bobby. It's like, wait, like that party for her 13th birthday party. I was like wait a sec, like, this is normal roller skating, have some sodas with little, like, things in it. But then they get her, like, this golf cart where I'm like, wait, first off, that golf cart looks expensive as hell. It looks huge. And I don't think a 13-year-old should just be driving around on a huge golf cart. I know. And the problem is, so I, last night, I was trying to look on, like, Twitter to see if people were talking about the safety of a golf cart with a 13-year-old. But everybody was so ta- was only talking about Lisa Barlow. So I feel like the golf cart got overshadowed. But, like, she was like, it'll be great. She can help me run errands, take the other kid to school. And I was like, wait, wait, wait. There's no seatbelts? Like, your other kid probably is just out of a booster. You want her to run errands? Like, where do you live? I don't know a lot about the law, but, like, that can't be legal, even in a golf cart, for a lady, like, for a 13-year-old to be driving somebody to a public school or to run errands. Like, is that legal in Utah? Like, that sounds not legal to me. It, I, I actually last night wanted to deep dive the legality of golf cart driving because I don't know if they're saying like street legal like thing like rules apply. Hey, be- by the way, the most boring Fast and Furious sequel ever. It's just <laughs> yeah. golf carts. 
I just, I was genuine. It's, it's almost, they're like, like, have you ever been on a party trolley? Yeah. Or like yeah. even party buses. I feel confused by it because I'm like, okay, I, I'm like nervous to drive with a corked bottle of wine from a friend's house. It's an open container, but suddenly I'm on a bus taking shots and like on a pole with no seatbelt and it's totally legal. Oh, I used to be on, like, we had a party bus that was, like, a double-decker where it was, like, open air on the top flight. I remember, yeah. like, almost hitting my head on an overpass, and I was, like, hammered <laughs> on Jägermeister shots. I was, like, I, I mean, like, literally, I almost, if I hadn't ducked, that would have, that would have been out of business, that party bus. Seriously, like, why can't, why can we and all the housewives drink champagne in a limo, but not, like, a Wrangler? I don't know. By the way, it would have been great because Bobby, uh, Whitney's daughter, had a party bus last night and I was just like, you know, I was like, I wanted Heather Gay to get in there and like do her little like puke number that she did on the Sprinter van earlier this season. I was like, nothing good happens in Sprinter vans or party buses. So much happens in Salt Lake Sprinter vans. Yeah. Well, Sprinter vans in general. I mean, we're coming off that Beverly Hills season with Kathy Hilton and Lisa Rinna. Right. I also think every Sprinter van at this point needs to be equipped with 24-7 CCTV, like security cameras. Because everybody complains about, like, these amazing conversations don't get covered. I would be willing to pay Bravo 10 extra dollars a month just for <laughs> unedited footage to Sprinter vans. It seems like they always miss, like, the most important thing. It's like they have a whole camera crew there and they always manage to miss the crucial plot point that they talk about for the rest of the season. Sometimes I lie awake at night and think, what if Whitney Rose had been the true mastermind and never turned off that mic pack? Because when Jen takes it to her and says, turn it off, she... Yeah. Can you imagine if she just didn't and Jen thought it was off? You know what? I have to tell you, uh, I bet there was a thought in Whitney's of, should I turn it off? Because Whitney has grown up on these shows. She's yeah. a huge Housewives fan. So she does know how it operates. Her and Heather Gay, and I think that's sometimes to a detriment. We saw that last season with Heather Gay was that she was trying to manipulate a storyline in a sense where she was like, oh, Jen Shaw, you know what? Throw it back to me and it'll get off talking about you. I'm like, don't produce the story. Let the right. story go wherever. That's what the producers are for. Not you, Heather. So also with that episode, it was it was tough for Lisa Barlow fans. I feel like the bar yeah. somehow went lower. Like she just is the she normally is like funny and doesn't know it or or I even feel this way about Mary Cosby. Like I think the thing with Housewives, you need to be people need to love to hate you or hate to love you type of thing. And yeah. they can't just hate you. And Mary Cosby's just straight up unlikable at this point. I feel like Lisa Barlow teeters sometimes where she's like funny and doesn't know it. But then when she's just like mean and does know it, I'm less endeared toward her. What did you think? Yeah, I mean, I I, I agree with that. But at the same time, I think that is one of the fascinating things about Lisa Barlow is when she's had enough, she's had enough. And she will like say one of the rudest things that you've ever heard in a very not funny Lisa Barlow way. And to me, though, if you look at the overall picture, then like it kind of adds to the Lisa Barlow of it all, because I truly love Lisa Barlow, but she is, she is a very unique person. Like she leans into being herself so much that even when I disagree with her, I can't help but like her because she's being genuinely herself. Mm. And I appreciate that. It's not somebody that I would necessarily want to be friends with or that could have a conversation with. And we see those in the scenes, you know, even her husband talking to her and she's just texting away on the phone. She's like, love you, babe. (laughs) And I don't know, like, yeah, yet last night was not a good look for her, but I think it also shows Lisa Barlow will only take it so far. And at the end of the day she's like i'm better than you 
And I know. Monica was really getting under her skin. Monica was really hurting her. And I think that's another thing that, you know, she, Monica got some barbs in that seemed like it really penetrated Lisa Barlow. Yes, that's a fair point because I feel like Lisa is so confident, almost I, not delusionally. She has every reason to be. I find her stunning and funny and interesting. And um, she's such a good housewife. But I feel like what, yeah, Monica rattled her in ways the other girls don't. And I feel like some sometimes the controversy is being annoyed that she's not rattled. Like, I think Heather just is so annoyed that, like, Lisa is so unbothered by Heather. And I yeah. think with Monica, like, she's really <laughs> genuinely hot and bothered. And, like, I just thought there were a couple moments where Lisa was like, oh, God, it was when she was like, oh, I love how when things are conveniently abusive. And when she said, like, to Monica something about nobody wants to be your mother. Yikes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it was it was brutal, brutal. And then she said, and then she said to Andy, you're not in the middle. And Andy's like actually in the middle, literally and figuratively, like in between them and conversationally. <laughs> Angie was funny last night too. Yeah. Angie was like, uh, listen, Monica, I'm actually older than Lisa. So please don't say that. It was great. And then Lisa comes back and you know who else is, is like, uh, Mary, who was like, but to me, that's why I think Salt Lake works this season so well, because I always call it like this fever dream where I feel like I'm on acid where it's like if you drew a housewives episode from memory and this is what came out because it doesn't really add up it's completely bizarre but for some reason this cast of characters work because it it's ridiculous like we're having these arguments at like a sound bath and a roller skating party (laughs) and usually those things will annoy me on a different show but this cast of characters for some reason they never really listen to each other in a real way uh, I love it. It's very different. It's very unique. It's different than Beverly Hills, Potomac. It's got its own vibe now, but that vibe to me is like David Lynchian. It's like completely bizarre, and you have the backdrop of the all-white background and the choral music of like, oh, 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 oh. and the, 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 the foundation of the religion is what really sets it off of, we got into an argument last night of between like, what is a proper Mormon? Like, what yeah. is... You know, you can't, that's not my God. Or like, I don't know how Lisa Barlow gets away with it. And, you know, religion is such a personal experience for everybody. But it's so great that you realize within the confines of Utah and potentially the Mormon religion that it's a class system. That it's like, wait a sec, you're wearing a, a shoulderless dress? Uh, that's uh, that's pretty horrible. That's not, God's not going to like that. And I think that to me is what really this show hinges on in this great way. And what's crazy about Mormonism is like it's not it's not like an unspoken class system. It's a very tangible, structural set of permissions where I think what a lot of viewers maybe didn't understand at first about Jack's mission is like if you follow all of the rules of Mormonism, you meet with your bishop, you get a temple recommend. If you can't drink, have premarital sex, like you have to tie 10 percent, like there are all these requirements. So if you meet those requirements, you can go to the temple. What Lisa's saying is she gets to go to the chapel, the church part, but she's not, she can't get a temple recommend to go to like the sacraments. So Jack being a more devout Mormon that can get into the temple, he was experiencing this religious life that Lisa wasn't even privy to and barriers she can't break down because she's chosen to be a casual Mormon. And I think that that's a really interesting thing of him kind of experiencing these life, this life behind closed doors that they leave your family out of and he, you get further indoctrinated. 
Well, that's what I say. I say it's so interesting because this, in a sense, is Jack's rebellion. Going into an organized religion is rebellion. It's like us sneaking our parents' booze when we were in high school. But for him, it's going to an organized religion away for two years. And I talked to John Barlow, Lisa's husband, this weekend at BravoCon. And really, really nice man. Uh, but I was like, just I was talking about like, oh, how is he doing at the training center? And uh, he's still there. And this is, I guess, a little tea is that uh, I hate when a grown man says, here's tea, um, <laughs> is that he's at. So he I guess there was some like paper issues in terms of like his visa or something. So his training partner that he trained with is already just left for uh, where is it again? Bogota. Um, Bogota. And he is now stuck at the training center for a couple extra weeks because, like, the paperwork needs to go through. So he's bummed because his partner's already out there working, and he is dying to get there. And then I also joked, John was like, yeah, I think Lisa's going to start buying property in uh, Colombia. And I thought that was hysterical. She, I mean, he was very, he's like, oh, she's going to try to buy half the town out there just to be around him. <laughs> well, and what's crazy is I had a Beth come on the show and talk about her Mormon mission. And by design, you really you only get contact with family and friends like once a week. And it's usually by email. You can't be around people for those two years. It's almost a forceful thing of you having to separate from your entire environment. And I think that's part of what Heather's trying to express to Lisa is that like this isn't a study abroad. This isn't even humanitarian work. This is just evangelizing for a church that's worth billions of dollars that is tax exempt, that does very little humanitarian work and just wants to convert people into being more Mormons. And oftentimes, mission work is exploitative. And I think Heather is probably just dying to offload on like all the problems with this. But Lisa's just not having it. Like it's Jack's decision. She doesn't want to get into it. And I and I think that people are starting to turn on Heather for like obsessing over this. But I actually yeah. side with Heather in that like, I think she has some pretty important perspective that Lisa's not ready to hear. So it's probably not even worth pursuing anyway. I mean, I think Heather does obviously have a point, but there's something that was self-serving in that we have to keep. Like, she's got a patent on being a bad Mormon. Like, if it's now you've got to go through Heather Gay to talk about... And also, the storyline seems to be her being shunned in her town, yet we see her in every public restaurant, every event. I'm like, when do we get... Let us... I want to see the shunning. Like, let's film some of the shunning, because I want to see how you are shunned in this town, because it seems like you go everywhere. seems like you do everything. I want to see the shunning happening, but it is interesting that we need to now go through Heather Gay if there's anything involved in Mormon because she has now decided that the religion is not for her later in life and she wrote a book about it. So it's it's, it's an interesting perspective because I think what is so cutting about the shunning is that it's so invisible. And that's what these people are probably masters of is being nice to your face and making you feel a lot less than them for actively leaving something that is kind of problematic. And I think that religion is just such a hard thing to push back against that you, even if you're doing the wrong thing in a religious context, you look holier than now and you look better than the person who left it. And I think Heather is like a lot of people are who deconstruct. You feel a bit gaslit by everybody who's just pretending like it's all fine. And then you've seen something that they haven't and you can't unsee it. And like, it's kind of a classic fallout story with the community, but I do think that people are probably really nice to her face, but don't call, don't follow up, don't invite her to things. And she's been like shunned in ways that are subtle that maybe cut deeper than people being overtly mean to her. 
But I mean, listen, I mean, we were coming off the first season of her even telling us how Lisa Barlow shunned her in college. I think Heather Gay has been shunned in different ways her entire life. But yeah. I also think with Heather Gay, I read her book and I thought it was interesting just the fact that it kind of seemed like she traded one religion for another. I mean, she went from Mormon to like Bravo. Like she even says, you know, I praise Andy Cohen, not God. Or like it was something like Did that. She it was say, like, and she said it was something like Andy Cohen is my God, you know, like, <laughs> and I think that's very interesting of like trading one thing because I think with the Bravo of, of it all, it gave her the strength to re, mm. uh, you know, to look at the religion in a different light, a different perspective, because also the show was bringing her things and opportunities that don't really jive with what the, uh, the doctrine says in the religion. Hmm. Interesting. I think one of the craziest things on Salt Lake that I just couldn't even believe was happening was when they were at the di- the Trixie Motel, when they were at that dinner, and it's like, on what planet is it a good idea to have an icebreaker where you go, like, every icebreaker is go around the table, say something nice about each other. It's meant to break the ice. The ice isn't meant to break you. And it was like, <laughs> let's go around the table and ta- say what we hate about each other. <laughs> It was great. I love those things because it's like they did that a lot on Roni this season because the girls were actively trying to get to know each other as we got to know them. But I love when they do it on like kind of more established shows where the producers are like, "Okay, I guess we're going to start this off with a question. Like it's one of those things that is so unnatural. But for Salt Lake. I, to me, that was such an amazing, amazingly messy episode because we had Meredith Marks with the 30 different accents. You know, like it was just truly, it's like set the whole night off. But you're right. It's it's completely ridiculous. It's counterintuitive to how like most, I guess a lot of times it is how most people would like interact. I just feel like as a grown adult, like I don't fight with people. And it's even funny to pretend fighting with people that much is real because it's kind of indicative of how little they know each other. Sometimes it's because they're so close, but in many cases it's because they just aren't people that would ever choose to be friends like Mary Cosby and anyone in the entire world. Yeah. Mary Cosby's great because she's one of those people they brought back because I think they were worried about Jen Shaw leaving, but Mary Cosby has a very different edict in terms of even how they handle her or production handles her. She's allowed to do anything. Like, you want to go get a fish fillet sandwich and be by yourself? Okay, great. If you want to, like, there is no, she's not like an active scene partner where she'll, like, respond and listen. And it's really fascinating for, that's a very different thing where Bravo usually would uh, poo-poo that. But it seems like this season they leaned into it and they're like, Mary has a blank check. You know, if you're in a scene with Mary, just expect you're not going to get anywhere. Don't expect anything. And that's why it cracks me up is Meredith is always the one person that acts like Mary's a genius. She'll be like, oh, Mary, that's very true. Oh, Mary, that's very wise. Yes, yes. And I'm like, what are we talking about here? She doesn't say anything that's wise. Like what? I mean, Mary acts like she's an equal. Like it is wild. What do you... I am dying to know what Bravo Bravo had to do to get her back because it's the thing with Mary's disposition is like she doesn't need it. I don't think she watches it. I'm not even sure she knows what show or network she's on and she gives nothing. And I that's kind of special treatment would probably drive me crazy as a cast member. But she's just bringing something so obscure that like I get I that's a good point about Jen Shaw because I was kind of like I don't feel like Mary's even needed. She wasn't on last night and the episode was fine i think it was like an insurance policy that we know we don't need next season but i will say in the insanity of it it's a nice little sprinkling like it's an aperitif almost of like oh this is like a little like if we don't if we don't give her hand the ball to mary and you know need a storyline from her it's kind of funny to have somebody just come in completely resolute in their just dislike at a moment's notice and you can't really say anything like that whitney mary cosby scene last week was bizarre because it was just 
never went anywhere. Immediately she wanted to leave. And uh, that would normally be a bravo, bravo, effing bravo moment. But Mary just gets up and leaves. And I think that, to me, is kind of funny because we necess- we haven't really seen that before. So if you use it in light amounts, I think it adds to the overall uh, the overall enjoyment of the show for me. But I don't think it's needed next season. I think it's good for this season. That, yeah, that's fair. I think that what's interesting is like we will assign or literally she will sing the disposition of zero fucks like Erica Jane. And like a zero fucks person might storm off the set. But in Mary Cosby's case, it wasn't a performance and that she like kind of storms out of that conversation with Whitney, but waits for the to-go box. <laughs> That's Whitney how zero Bravo fucks Con, Mary is. <laughs> I, I talked to Whitney at BravoCon about that scene because I was like, oh my God, girl. And she was like, you don't even understand what they missed was that when they bagged up the food, the food broke with the bag broke with the food in it. So it was a whole thing. And I was like, oh, my God, like Mary got the bag and then the bag broke and they had to clean it all up. And I thought that was like, like what the a missed stuff opportunity. That we don't, yeah. The stuff that we don't see seems wild. Like it's just like even Southern Charm. I, I was talking to Madison at BravoCon and I was talking about that scene where her uh, uh son got uh, bullied and got bit. I cried. I cried. It was a very beautiful scene. And I said, that's a great scene. And it was really interesting to, you know, in the span of that episode to watch you go from one extreme to the next. But she goes, oh, what you didn't see is I got in my car and I went and found that boy. I went to the house. The cameras followed me. And I I knocked on that door. And there is ring camera footage of me going, I'm Madison LaCroix. Ah, (laughs) You know, I was like, oh, my God. And like Bravo has that footage and didn't air it. Like the boy didn't come out like it didn't. You know, but it was like it turned out it was like a six year old boy that bit her son. What? Okay, yes. I that whole scene that that was such a weird scene planted in that episode with no resolve. And it was so sad. Like Greg and I were both like, oh my God, like that poor boy. And and I think that Madison, it almost seemed to me like she was trying to protect him on camera and she didn't ask too many questions and she wanted him to go upstairs, collect herself and almost like handle it off filming. But I was actually very endeared toward Madison in that moment. I think that's a really hard moment as a mom. And she's also a person that I would guess in real life is like stupid stunning. She she's very. I, I took a picture with her and I was like, "Oh, can we airbrush me out of this? I ruined this photo completely." But she. But what was great was that she was talking about that scene and she just said, hey, "Listen, that was supposed to just be like a light family scene of us like playing a game and like that wasn't expected for him to come in with yeah. bites. Like that was completely." realistically captured and she's like it really threw me because she said they just moved into that neighborhood and all of a sudden she was like this is supposed to be a really safe neighborhood and now my son's getting bit like she was like freaked out she said i oh my gosh i would have been too and i feel like even after that episode on twitter and stuff everyone was like wait like is he okay like who, also who's biting people like uh, it was the bite of it all was like it was like biting the legs look just jacked yes he was yeah well did you get any other for lack of a better word tea at BravoCon? You know who should have sponsored BravoCon? Maybe they didn't. I didn't see it. But Liquid IV, because the amount of hydration you would need to withstand several days of traipsing around Vegas. Every time I'm there, not not only do I party more than I would in my normal life, I also walk more than I ever wanted to because it's very hard to get around. You can't use normal streets or Google Maps things because of all the breezeways and escalators and connected hotels, and you always end up doing too much exercise and really bad shoes. And this is just one of the many unathletic, but still taxing things that Liquid IV is perfect for. Whether you stayed up late last night binging a TV show like me trying to get through these Bravo shows for this episode, 
or you're on back-to-back Zoom meetings all day. We've all got a lot going on, and you don't need to be an athlete to need extra hydration throughout your day. And Liquid IV makes it easy to stay hydrated. With three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink, plus eight vitamins and nutrients for everyday wellness, Liquid IV hydrates two times faster than water alone, all in a single stick. And now their hydration multiplier comes in three delicious sugar-free flavors, white peach, green grape, and lemon lime a proprietary zero-sugar hydration solution with no artificial sweeteners. Liquid IV is just so easy to carry around. I have one in every single one of my purses. It's especially great for, like, planes. Contains eight vitamins and nutrients for everyday wellness and replaces sugar with a proprietary amino acid allulose blend. Allulose is a naturally occurring sweetener with the same sweet taste and texture one can expect from table sugar. We've almost switched entirely to sugar-free in my house. And I'm a big fan of, which is huge, because you know I do love the guava of the regular Liquid IV, but I really am liking the sugar-free too. And you can grab your Liquid IV Hydration Multiplier sugar-free in bulk nationwide at Costco, or you can get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code BETHERE in 5 at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code BETHERE in 5 at liquidiv.com. No, I mean, like, listen, I mean, with the, the Sandoval Ariana stuff, you could tell, like, that tension is still really there tom is just an idiot and he like even in interviews there he was like i have to look at ariana's stank face like he just doesn't even know what how to say or how to communicate so it always like just really messed up and it makes you dislike him a little bit more even when he's trying to have like a martyrdom like redemption season so there was that there was like supposedly sheena went and hung in tom sandoval's hotel room and there was video of it oh right and uh ariana didn't know about that but sheena was like i had to go over there because i was not liking the things that tom was saying in the press about ariana and i was like you could have texted her sheena like you didn't have to go over there and hang out for hours right that's classic sheena i don't know like the Lindsay carl Summerhouse thing was interesting on the stage but they kind of glossed over it some of the panel weren't as bombastic as they could have been because I think there was like things laid down so they could save them for the reunion like Uh, they would only go so far in talking about it but like overall I mean I think last year was uh it seemed like a hair more dramatic than this year this year you know uh, there wasn't huge fights or anything that I've heard about yet or been privy to but it was it was just I mean pretty much overall just a great event I feel like there's a funny balance to to be struck where what people like if the questions are moderated by the audience and if the moderators have to stick to a set of questions, it's like people want the outrageous moments that the network is also trying to control because I, I well, OK, I listen to Jeff Lewis live. I'm like a, under the radar. I'm, chunk. I'm on it tomorrow. Are you really? Yeah. I find the whole universe to be fascinating because I love old school radio and the cast of characters that you can develop. And I think I'm also just amazed and confused that a person can say so, say and get away with so much when we live in a world where you can't say shit. Like most of us, I have to pour over every word I say, but he just does whatever the hell he wants and it never well, matters. Je- Jeff Lewis is like this weird mix of like Howard Stern and uh, Charles Grodin, the actor, in terms of like Charles Grodin used to go on David Letterman. And I remember as a kid, they would have this contentious relationship that I didn't quite understand as a kid, but it was like a comedic bit. It was like a thing. And Jeff Lewis like lives in that world where he's able to say and get away with things, even though he doesn't really get away with, he gets a lot of crap for it, but he's a way to get, he, he gets away with things and we're like, oh, that's Jeff, you know, like, oh, that's just Jeff. And I mean, there's a little bit of Don Rickles in there uh, as well. But it is interesting. I, I, I'm the same way with like the radio environment he sets up. To me, that's like 
very like me growing up with Stern and it wasn't all about sex with Stern for me. It was about the relationships he created with the staff. It was like, Oh, he's going to come bring Gary in to yell at him. And Oh my God. And that's the part that I'm like, he really has created this little dynamic that I think is very unique. And when I went on for the first time, I wasn't necessarily aware that's what it was. Yeah. And so I was like, Oh, this is amazing. Like I, this will be my fourth time on. And I was like, this is great. Cause I just, I just sit there and I just throw in, uh, you know, a funny comment or here or there. And it reminds me of old school radio so much. I mean, you nailed it. I think I, I think I DM'd you when I heard you were going on. I was like, oh, my God, you're about to enter into like a whole other stratosphere because, yeah, there's like this multiverse that's been created with the chumps, all of their characters oh. who's been ousted. And <laughs> like the I mean, the and I think there is just there's so few people willing to be that transparent anymore with their life because it it's becomes too much. I mean, like I was at, uh, at BravoCon, like I walked by people and they were like, chump. And by the way, for somebody that got bullied in like high school, <laughs> like that scared me at first. I was like, what the fuck? Like I didn't, you know, I didn't realize how popular his show is, but it was wild. But it is like, as somebody that I try to keep it pretty even keeled, like you do, I don't go into wars. I don't try to do podcasting wars. I don't try, I don't try. I mean, I say my opinion, but I don't, I'm not actively trying to start drama or create podcast drama. And there is this element of his show that, that is a little bit about that. And that worries me in a sense of what he's going to talk about. Like, cause I don't, yeah. you know, you don't know ahead of time. So it could be any, it could be news stories and we have a great time or there's like podcast drama that you're like, I don't wait, I have to take a side. Like what's going on? Like th- that's the wild part. And it's never, it's not what my show has usually ever been about, even though I think it is more exciting sometimes for the listener to hear that kind of drama. They, You see how it's like moth to a flame. They get so into it and attracted to it. And you see how it's really good for a show, yeah. but it can be really personally painful, I would imagine. That, exactly. That, like, there's, sometimes I'm jokingly like, I need to get myself embroiled in some sort of public spat yeah. just for the engagement Wait, do you wanna, I, just for my own personal success can yeah, we get we into get a into war it? right now like that would be like Kate's a bunch of BS she's a horrible person you get it. she was like smoking the entire interview it wasn't healthy I've kept up with like the juicy scoop Jeff feud oh boy and it is a funny thing where like Somebody like me, I would never push back. I would just be yeah. like, I would be guilty. I'd feel bad. I'd apologize. I think you do kind of need a type of personality that is combative, that's not overly sensitive, that will clap back, because that's entertaining. Well, there's a house. There's a housewife element to these kind of shows. And, you know, like, listen, they both <clears throat> benefit from it. You know, and I mean, it seems very painful. I would be sick at night if that's what I had to go through. But I will tell you, like, you know, what Heather has created and what Jeff has created are both very unique platforms that are huge. But uh, and they've also been able to monetize that in a certain way that I think is is really unique. And I just I, I you do have to be a certain type of person and have a certain kind of constitution that I just I don't have. But I am cognizant of the fact of how good it does. Like I see. And it's like just to the point in pop culture where we're at now is like where you, people wanted used to people wanted to be liked, and now being disliked is just as valid as being liked because people are still talking about you. I mean that's what I the whole point with Sandoval is too is like he's monetizing off of this as well. You know it's just in a different way than we were used to. But to me it's all fascinating. It's just like a science experiment that I couldn't go through though. Oh no! Like when there there was rumors at a point that they were like casting the real housewives of chicago which i just don't think would ever work and people would ask me would you go on it and i was like on honest to god never i 
could see myself on the title screen being like, oh, I tell it like it is. But then we'll apologize profusely. I'm so sorry. Like I, yeah, like that's the energy I would be bringing to the housewives. No, my energy. Yeah, it would be like, uh, please like me. <laughs> I hope. I, what did I do wrong? I'm, you know, like I. Would, there's no way. I would hate to find that aspect of my personality that people would see immediately and pull out and talk yes. about it forever. Like that's the part. Like, and by the way. But me and you, like, we've watched these shows. We're like, we paid attention. So, of course, we wouldn't do them. Like, of course, right. we wouldn't do that. Like, that's just, there's, it's just a deal that I would never want to make, even though it would potentially make me some decent money and get me notoriety. But that's not what I'm after. Like, I, I want to be able to talk about this stuff for the rest of my life, not be in this stuff for the rest of my life. Right. And I think that, um, or what we would probably do is be people that, weren't strong in the scenes, but we'd talk a lot of shit in the talking heads. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. We'd be like, I love their talking heads. They're horrible in the scenes. Exactly. <laughs> like, I think doing talking heads would be really fun to yes, yes. figure out quippy commentary. Um, while I still have you, okay, can we just talk about Beverly Hills real fast? Yeah, of course. Because um, uh, I just watched last week's episode this morning, and I can't get over the awkward bachelor date that was the pr- pretty woman scene. Yeah. I'm going to take you to the Beverly Wilshire. And also, if you've been robbed that many times, why are you carrying around a $5 million necklace? Like, what are we doing? Like, she's carrying around $10,000 in cash. She's carrying, like, PK's running around with, like, a loan jewelry from Pretty Woman. It's like, maybe let's not do these things and, like, let's not do anything financial in public of that kind of wealth. But it was hysterical that it was Pretty Woman. And it was hysterical that they used the, like, one of the songs from Top Gun for Pretty Woman. When <laughs> I argued, I argued, I said, I did a recap of that that's out today, and I said, listen, I would have rather heard King of Wishful Thinking from the Pretty Woman soundtrack. Uh, that's a banger. You could have just done Pretty Woman by Roy Orbison. That that soundtrack, the Pretty Woman soundtrack, has so many bangers, and they picked Berlin to sing Take My Breath Away. It's like, why not just pull Boy George up again, PK? That it, the top I lo- the producer sang from Top Gun was like just it, I love producer shade like subtly just making sure the audience understands something that's not quite adding up there. I get it's Dorit's favorite song, but like yeah, it didn't fit the vibe. Also, P- PK is the king of wishful thinking, and we don't talk enough about how great Go West is. And because uh, that was I that date was <laughs> to give into my blues. That's not how it's gonna it's such be. A good song. It's like guys, it is on one uh when I exercise, which is very rarely, I will that's on my workout jams mix. It is one of my favorite and the song's like five minutes and like in the fourth minute it just keeps hitting peaks. It's amazing. Oh, it's so good. That's so funny. It's one of my t- top all time. I have a playlist of my favorite songs of all time. It's five hours long called Be There in Five Hours. And it is a feature. Wait, is it is it on Spotify? Yeah. Can I sign up for it? Okay, of course. Good, yeah. Um, and yeah, that whole thing, the whole thing was weird because it, A, the date is just, it is kind of funny per Kyle's point about your wife, even though it is a rom-com, it just was kind of like a weird theme. They, they almost seemed like they didn't know each other because PK was trying to be in theme and act like this real gentleman and she was trying to hide that she wasn't mad. So they weren't connecting. They were just like pretending to be in the moment. And even the the necklace thing with the million dollar necklace, him snapping it, it was very pull my finger energy. It was just like stupid. I'm like, why are you doing this to your wife? 
there's a fart noise. Yeah. yeah. It was so stupid. But, okay, do you I think... Lo- I love her being panicked about the kids, like, where are the kids? Where are the kids, PK? And, like, little Jagaloo. Like, I just love... We're in on it, Mommy. We're in on it. Yeah. Uh, we have a great anniversary, Mommy. I love that there was a point that, like, she thought it was, like, the movie Taken. And I was like, oh, my God. You think the Beverly Hills production would have you just leave your kids just abandoned? Like, I was like, what are you thinking, Dorit? And I felt bad for her because I was like, okay, this seems like a genuine spiral. Like, to the point where we don't really break the fourth wall in Beverly Hills ever. But they broke it to talk to the producer, Laser. Fun, like, name. Didn't know about Laser. Laser, yeah. (laughs) And um, I I was like, okay, so she really is seems to be going through something. And then PK at dinner was like talking about her PTSD thing like it was a cute hobby she's taken up yeah he's like I don't get it sometimes I do but sometimes I don't what is putsta what is putsta you're like it was like it, it's wild and I will say Kyle the whole scene is like laughing at her freaking out she's like ha 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 like Dorit's actually having like a freak out moment and Kyle's like ha 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 it's I know. so weird how seriously were we supposed to take it I couldn't because on the one hand, it seemed like a sincere spiral for kind of no reason, but that's not really my place to say it if she was really having a reaction. But her but closest friend didn't even seem to legitimize it with her reaction. So, yeah, I don't know. But I thought that it was an interesting episode. And the pretty woman thing just did not... I can't... It's hard for me to watch people do romantic gestures and stuff that just, like, don't land. I found the whole thing cringy. And the I wanted to ask you a clarifying point. Why was she hung up on how... He, like, brought her glam. He brought her wardrobe. And I get that she wants to control what she wears. But why did she say, like, the the um, clothing rack got stuck when they tried to wheel it in? Like, I don't understand. Is she like, PK, I I am a designer. and a, I, I didn't understand that either. What was I, she I, trying she was to like, say? Like, it wasn't done I think she was saying these ladies don't know how to do it as well as I do it. And then she was like, give me the Beverly Beach bronzer. Do you have it? And I was like, That's... I thought Beverly Beach was a swimsuit line. I didn't realize they had makeup uh, options as well. Oh, I, was it her? Oh, interesting. I didn't yeah, even pick up on Beverly the product Beach placement. bronzer. And she brought it up at BravoCon again about the Beverly Beach bronzer. Oh. Yeah. See, the the one thing that was a little bit funny is that, like, yeah, with Be- Beverly Hills Housewives, you do expect to see, like, high-rolling, glam, cream-of-the-crop type stuff. And, like, yeah, I-, I don't really want my anniversary in a room with two queens. That's, like, what I have to book when I go to a wedding. I think Dorit wanted a presidential suite, and she should have gotten it. But I do think that they were in a regular room at the Beverly Wilshire. It's like a, a broom a closet at the Beverly Wilshire. <laughs> like, but also this, I, I just like, sometimes those romantic gestures, you know, like it's like the bigger, the better, I guess. Like PK pulled up in a Ferrari. I'm like, you rented the Ferrari, like black Ferrari. Like it is ridiculous. But at the same time, I think as the audience, we don't want to worry that I'm like, you know, I, it was sometimes with housewives. Now I'm like, I'm sitting there watching and I'm like, oh my God, can they afford this? Are they going to be okay? I like I worry about them. I'm like, I hope they're not doing this for the show too much. I hope they can actually afford this. Like that's the part that gets me worried because Bravo and like these production companies only pay for so much for this stuff. It's not like fully set up. Like you have to bring money sometimes into these scenes themselves and that's not production. And that worries me sometimes. There's no more stressful show financially than watching Selling Sunset and being like Amanza. <laughs> I, you're, you talk about being a struggling single mom. You are carrying a Chanel basketball that does not even have a pocket. It's not even a purse. It's just a basketball. That's it, over $5,000. Like the pressure that they feel to not only dress to the nines, but unfortunately yeah. dress badly is shocking. 
I mean, like, it is interesting because I want to see these people 20 years from now. Like, where is everybody? Like, where are they now? Is like Selling Sunset, are they still dressed like the X-Men? Like, where, where, what are we doing? Like, do we ever tone it, like, do we ever tone it down? Like, do you ever just do, have like ratty basketball shorts, like no brand? Like, like I said, I truly shop at Old Navy. Does any of them like go to Old Navy at any point? Like, like what, like would they, would they freak out if they had to go into an Old Navy? That's the thing I want to see is them live on a budget. Like, that would be fascinating to me or like just not living the baller lifestyle oh yeah i think that they would like malfunction at a pay less bogo i just don't think that the affordable lifestyle is even comprehensible to them oh with BravoCon, part of me was thinking about that watching it like i can't believe how they had to get the talent everyone needed rooms everyone had glam all the outfits the women had to bring it kind of pissed me off watching like craig austin shep sandoval like all these bros just like exist while the women had to do the most every single day <laughs> Well, listen, I said, I said, there's like no way, like if anybody needed a glam squad in the continental U S this weekend, they were booked. Like there was no way yeah. because all the glam squads were in Vegas this weekend. And the amount, like when you see these people up close, you guys, it's wild. It's like, they really look like cartoon characters, not in a week, like, like they look like, I, it's just so it's, it's just very different than how I look. You know, it's like, you're like, holy shit. Like you look like you're, should be on TV. It's like a really weird experience. Like you all look like the characters that you portray. And it's like every hair is in place. The outfit is perfect. I never have walked out of anywhere where my outfit was perfect. I've never been like, there's nothing I can do that would make this look better. It's never happened to me in my life. (laughs) All of these ladies looked perfect even like the fashion misses you're still like holy crap like that's still better than i could do on any given day like it's wild i am always amazed by how shocking how like good i'm always shocked by how good looking people are in person and it's almost like oh it makes sense that you got on tv like you were a disproportionately attractive person to the point where you stand out in public in a big way even the people that might not even seem like the hottest on tv in real life they're like stunning i just a random aside, like with Glam, Lisa Barlow said she spends 65 grand a year on Glam. And she also had that $60,000 ring. I'm like, is Vita Tequila and Fresh Wolf making you that? Her financial situation confused me because her house also looks like um, a staged house. The bed on last night's episode, they were in that room and it looked like it had like this huge... Like, you see, it was, like, on this huge, like, wood platform that the wood, like, on either side looked like it was, like, like three feet itself. Where I'm like, how do you get out of this bed? I would, like, hurt myself in the middle of the night. But it didn't seem like there was any personal belongings on no. the bed stand or the stands. Like, that's what I always look for in these places. And it didn't look like I could see any personal things. It lo- I think she's renting, like, a Sonder Airbnb. Because even on Jack and Henry's room, like... Above the headboard, not even a hung canvas. It was just leaning. And one said hustle. One said grind. I'm like, that's gather for teenage boys. Like, it just, it had the most generic decor. And I don't don't think they live there, but I don't have any proof of that. But yeah, I'm just like, you know, we've got to be ready to go at a moment's notice. Middle of the night. We've just got to be ready to pack up and leave. Like, I think that it would be funny if she's just like just hopping from place to place and just bringing like inspiration posters with her. She can lean up against the kid's bedroom. She was pretty paranoid with Jen's arrest, calling all of her lawyers. I don't know. Like there's something weird there. I, yeah, I don't understand. I mean, listen, I could say I, I don't understand Lisa's financial situation, but to be real, I really don't know if I understand any of their financial situations. Like, I mean, it just, it, the more I think about it, the more none of it makes sense to me when it comes to housewives. Do you think, do you think, I mean, it's like so annoying to even speculate about this and I feel bad, but like, do you think Dorit was robbed of the $10,000 in cash? 
It's a weird story. It's a weird story is, I guess, the problem. I was trying to be gentle with this on my show because uh, I, my whole point was like, I don't know if you've heard of this, Kate, but have you heard of these things? Um, they're called credit cards. And I've been using them lately. And what you can do, and you guys at home, this is a little tip, um, insider knowledge, but you can use them and you can like put goods and sundries on the credit card and then you pay it off at, in the comfort of your own home, like you connect it with the bank. Now, the cash thing for me, I just think, I know, you know, like I don't, I don't know. I don't think there's anything fishy here, but I will say if you've been in such a situation where you do have PTSD, then you don't maybe have large chunks of cash at any time on you just like kim kardashian after the paris robbery stopped yeah she doesn't wear jewelry anymore in in public and i think that's something that is really important now that's happened twice was her purse stolen or just the cash she said somebody i think it was just the cash i think somebody she said went through her purse like somehow like it wasn't even a it was very it was very odd. And they were yeah. doing this in the middle of like a park in Beverly Hills. <laughs> They're eating on like fancy China. And I'm like, once again, why are we doing this in public? Like, I know there's like production around, but like, let's not flaunt wealth in public. Let's just not do it for the time being. You, you know, there's bad luck happening for you. Let's not do this ever again. And just keep it within the confines of your home and the Beverly Wilshire. Well, is there a rom-com that you think would be romantically acted out for you that you would approve of? Oh, I would love Mannequin. With Andrew yeah. McCarthy and uh, uh, Kim Cattrall. I used to love that movie as a little kid. It was about uh, a guy that falls in love with it. He makes, he makes mannequins. That's his job. And then this mannequin comes to life. And it's Kim Cattrall who was like in the like e- Egyptian times. And there was like some spell put on her. And for me as a kid, it seemed completely realistic. Where I like went into Macy's and tried to fall in love with mannequins. <laughs> but then she comes. And they're at this department store. And every night, like he starts making these like really beautiful windows that get a lot of attention. But at night, like Kim Cattrall comes alive and they have this romance and as a kid I just thought it was the best thing ever and it would be pretty impossible to act out so I think that's why I would pick me I've not I would love thought about that movie in so long oh it's but that's another banger of a soundtrack because it has Jefferson Starship of like build this nothing's gonna stop us now <laughs> if this world runs out of lovers we'll still have each other it's so good if this world runs out of lovers we'll still have each other because you're a mannequin <laughs> yeah, it's a, listen at the time in my youth it seemed completely realistic and something attainable now i realize that mannequins mostly but i will say i like will pass mannequins sometimes and i'll laugh to myself because i'll be like oh i used to think that those could come to life Kind of a nice uh, predecessor to Tyra Banks's life size. Semi <laughs> semi similar concept. This is also why you'd be a bad reality character because your significant other would be like, I have this great surprise plan. Um, Ryan will walk into a department store and I'm not gonna move and I'm just gonna be there at the display. Like, get this. And it's like, that's it? That's the yeah. plot? <laughs> <laughs> or, or it, like, legitimately scares the shit out of me and I die. Like, like ah! And then on my dying, like, bed, I'm realizing it's mannequin. And I'm like, like, I dial with this smile on my face. Oh, my gosh, Ryan. I can't, I can't believe an hour and a half's already passed, but I could talk to you uh, literally flew by, flew by. forever. Where can people find you and your show? 
Uh, so we just switched to the Betches Network, so I'm really excited about that. It's called So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey. We do actually four shows a week, sometimes five. Oh, my God. Like, this week I had to do five just to cover all the shows. Uh, so it's a lot. So I'm not asking you to listen to everything, but maybe pick one, see if you like it. There's interviews with guests, other pop culture guests. It's not just reality shows. We talk about movies, music, everything. Uh, Kate's going to be on there in January, I think. And uh, it's just it's something that I truly truly love i love pop culture and i've loved it ever since a little kid so this is has turned into my dream job so uh check it out see if you like it but if not you know it can usually turn you on to other podcasts because i have a lot of other podcasters and it's a great like aggregator of things that i think are really great out there i am so impressed by you that's so much like it's it's not only watching the show's compiling your thoughts recording editing mastering upload i mean it's a lot of work and i have a lot of respect for this job that a lot, a lot of people understand and therefore don't respect, but like it's oh. harder than it looks. <laughs> well, I was up till four in the morning last night because I was having audio issues and I was trying to fix it myself. And, and that's what I just said, like four years into this and it's still, it's still an uphill battle each day. Like it's yeah. Sisyphus. Like you start over again each day. And so you have to like realize that some of it isn't perfect, but it's one of those things that like will haunt you. And I'm completely obsessed with it, but I'll do like I did the Beverly Hills recap from last week. It's line by line recaps. I act out the entire <laughs> thing. No, it's oh like insane. God. Like, Oh, it's like completely, I've lost my marbles and it's not a good way to live your life. But I truly now understand that thing that all your teachers said of like, you know, if you really love something, try to do that. And it's definitely work, but it's so much better because I've had real jobs. It's so much better than a real job. Like this is the dream. Like I went to Crystal Minkoff's house yesterday and talked to <laughs> Rob and her. And then I went to like a screening of this movie Saltburn with Jacob Elordi. And I was like for the show. And I was like, this is the this is my dream. This is like I'm living my dream. And then to see people like you with your your book coming out and I'm just like, look at how many possibilities. Look at how like like people like you, like for me, like that paves the way for people like me to show you can do this. And also this is a valid thing that there are so many people that I've met through this that love it as much as I do or love it as much as we do. And God, that's like. What an amazing thing. I, the only thing I wish is that I had discovered this earlier in life. That's the only thing. Or or, or been able to trust my weird taste that there were yeah. other people out there like me. Oh, totally. And I think for us both, like, it's nice that there's a place in the sky for people in the weeds. And I feel like you and I are both into details and into, like, combing yeah. through stuff. And, like, yeah. it's, sometimes I, I was always growing up made to feel like I'm a little detailed and annoying and curious asking a lot of questions and like you know all it is interesting to find a place for all of your perceived worst habits and that there are other people that appreciate it you can uniquely find online yeah yeah well i don't know if you feel this way sometimes and then you get through your day and you're like oh god i've got to watch selling sunset oh see you're like <laughs> oh like like how you used to complain about like real work you know and you're like Damn it, I gotta watch two episodes of Beverly Hills tonight. I don't even know what I'm doing. You know, like, you get frustrated and then you laugh at yourself and you're like, what are you talking about? This is what you love to do. Like, this is, it's so funny, you know, the human brain will find ways to complain about even the things that you love. Um, so it's it's been an amazing journey thus far. I, I get invited to legitimately nothing. I'm in Chicago, but I got invited to this influencer event and I had to leave early and I was in front of a bunch of other people and I was like, I'm so sorry. Like I have a meeting, I have to go. And they're like, oh, what are you doing? They started prying. And my meeting was that to make a recording deadline, I had to watch the Bama Rush documentary. 
And for some reason, I told them that was my pressing appointment. And they were like, what? <laughs> oh, yeah. The people that really don't get it, don't get it. Like, it is wild. It. And it's so funny. It's like my dad's friends. He's in his, like, mid-70s. And some of his friends listen to the show. And I'm always scared. I'm like, whoa, no, 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 oh, no. Oh, that's no. the worst. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't. It's worse. But you... But it is funny, though, you realize these shows and pop culture, like, it's span. Like, there's people in their 70s that love this stuff just as much as we love this stuff. Yeah. Just as much as the young people love this stuff. And I think that's interesting when you realize there's a wider audience out there than you could have ever possibly imagined. As we saw with Ruth at BravoCon. Oh, I, I got to meet Ruth on Sunday, and she was lovely. What lovely. a star. True star of BravoCon. What well, a that's, star. You need those nice moments. You need those nice moments to push out in the world because uh, the world's a really bad place. And uh, you need those nice moments of connection where this 84-year-old lady, you guys, came and got into Bravo while she was taking care of her ailing husband who actually passed away. 84-year-old woman from Fort Worth came there by herself, asked a question at the Ultimate Girls Trip uh, New York panel said, how do you ladies stay looking so young and youthful? And they loved her. They made a whole meal of that segment. And then they rushed Bravo immediately. Just perfect. Bravo found her, rushed her backstage, started interviewing her and then surprised her with a meeting with Andy Cohen. They gave her tickets to the watch what happens live that night. So she popped up in all those places. And you know, I think this is not the last we see or hear from Ruth, but she was lovely. And she was like, you know, I think when she, she's like, I came here by myself, but I made 12 friends this weekend, you know, <laughs> and I just, but that's the thing. These things bring people together. Like, and I yeah. think we got to be wary of the things that tear it apart. And that's why the reality reckoning to wrap things, you know, is that at the end of the article, it said an unnamed source involved in the housewife said, I just want to burn it all down. And the author said, listen, I don't want to burn it all down. I actually like these shows. I think we can actually do both. But that sentiment kind of undercuts that reality reckoning argument for me because I think we have to look towards things that actually bring us joy and bring people together and bring Ruth traveling by herself at 84 years old and coming in and making friends based on these shows that we love and laugh about. And that is the world in which I would like to live in, you know? Yeah, I love that. Dirty Diet Coke cheers to the community found in the least likely of places. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I love it. And they, I mean, like, yeah, Kate, thank you. You're a huge part of me even doing this. So thank you. Oh, my gosh. Well, yeah, catch me on Ryan's show in January, I think. <laughs> yes, in right? January. Guys, wait for two months and she <laughs> yeah. will be there. I can't wait. Thanks for listening, you guys. Be sure to check out Ryan and his work. So bad it's good with Ryan Bailey. Hope you thought this episode was so good it's good. Anyway, I had a great time. Love to talk people that can shoot the shit about pop culture all the live long day. And... I wanted to get some insight into BravoCon. This was the first year I really felt FOMO, like I said. And uh, sounds like a good time. Anyway, you guys, hope you have a great weekend. Follow me at Kate Kennedy at Be There in 5. Tag us, share with a friend. Come back next week is really all I could ask for. Or rate and review five stars if you're feeling super generous on Spotify. Especially, it's really easy. Just tap the stars. You don't even have to write anything. But regardless, you're the best for being here. Thank you for the privilege of your time. And as always, let me know your thoughts and I'll let you know mine. I'll be there in five. I swear. 